0: Anybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win? I guess we'll never know. So keep your love, I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Travis Bean, and I find this very strange. (laughs) Chris is not here. He's uh, stuck on his honeymoon. Not stuck. He wants to be there. He gets to be on his honeymoon with his lovely wife. And uh, because he's away for a week and because he doesn't really have internet and can't listen to the album and can't even listen to the Zane Zane Lowe interview of Kanye he's absent, and I'm kind of just by myself here. Uh, We usually do a first reactions episode to the album, uh, to a new Kanye West album, and I felt like we should still do it. We should still honor it, even though Chris isn't here. And this is very strange for me. I'm I'm not looking at anyone. I'm not talking to anyone. (laughs) This is very natural for Chris. He usually just jumps on those YouTube videos and talks at nobody for hours, which is what he does at everybody he's around and every time he walks into a room he'll walk up to anybody and just fucking start talking i I remember uh one of the first trips we ever took together was to the toronto international film festival and uh we were behind eli roth on an escalator once and we had just been in a talk with eli roth the day before we were sitting in the audience chris just very naturally claps his hand on Eli Roth's back and starts talking to him like they've been chums for years. <laughs> so all that is, Chris, he, he takes this very well. I'm very uh, introverted <laughs> and don't like to be the center of attention. So it's just strange for me, but you know what? We have to honor tradition. We have to talk about Jesus as King. And before I get into my first reactions, I won't take that long, I promise, because nobody wants to listen to me just talking <laughs> for 40 minutes. Um... I will say that after this episode, next week, week we're going to have a stream of First Reaction episodes featuring some very special guests who have been past Storier guests on the show. I'm sure you can guess a couple of them, um, but I, and I don't want to give too much away, But or, or maybe I should give it away. Why not? Here's who's planned for next week. First of all, you got the one and only troll of watching the throne, Jordan C. Johnson, uh, we have an old friend, our Taylor Swift expert Anazek, who hasn't been on the show in a couple of years, so that'll be great. We have Donald, who runs the most unruly YouTube channel, and we have Martin Connor, uh, and finally, we have the one and only, Co- and finally, we have the one and only Cole Kushna, host of the Dissect Podcast, who, if you'll remember, did a season on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So, be talking to all them next week. That'll be lots of fun, and then the following week. We'll finally get Chris's reaction. And then the week after that, we plan on starting our song by song, week by week analysis of the album, where we go line by line through each song and explain the narrative on the album. Okay, with all that said, what does Travis think of Jesus is Keen? Does anyone care? We'll see. Um, I have to say, so usually the first listen of a Kanye album is always really strange for me, or had been strange for a while they th- it was always different because i didn't get into kanye until 808s and heartbreak like right when that dropped and i kind of had a weird version of 808s and heartbreak because i just list- started listening to kanye and i loved the first three albums so much i love so many of the songs and there were only a couple songs at 808s that i liked uh, of course over the years like i grew to love 808s and think it hmm Trying to think if I like, I mean, I think I like it at this point now more than any of the first three albums, so complete 180 there. Um, But the first listen, you know, is is strange because it's so different. And I think that's really what you get with any Kanye album. No album sounds the same. You're always in for a unique experience, which I think is amazing because he's not counting on one type of sound to always pull somebody in. He's really rejected that idea of, creating radio hits and creating something familiar. And he's always pushing himself to do something new, which, you know, that's why we got what we got on Jesus is King. (laughs) Um, But my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I mean, instantly loved it, loved every song. One of my favorite memories was playing, turning on Dark Fantasy with uh, my then girlfriend, now wife. I guess I can call her my ex-girlfriend, even though that's kind of misleading. Uh, i remember turning on dark fantasy we were we were standing there getting ready to play some ping pong i was like hey we should listen to the new kanye album and she wasn't a huge kanye fan um and i started playing it and it was like it was this really connecting moment it was like really early in our relationship um and we were both just like whoa like what is this (laughs) um so that was great uh yeezus as is the case of most people i had a strange aversion to, but like in a good way to where like the sound is so unfamiliar and so strange and so rebellious, um, very punk rock esque that my reaction was like in my head negative. But at the same time, I I think really what I was feeling was like, oh, I've never heard music like this before. I've never been challenged by an album like this before. So as much as I thought I didn't like it, I kept listening to it and listening to it. This was before we had the podcast, by the way, and before I was like a complete devoted Kanye fan. Um, and as I listened more and more to Jesus over the course of like a, the first couple weeks it was out, I grew to realize how amazing it was. And that's what led to the creation of this podcast, because Chris had a similar experience. Um, then, of course, you know, when I was in full stand mode, <laughs> I loved to watch The Throne and I love Cruel Summer and everything, but as far as solo projects, when we final when we got to the life of Pablo and, you know, I'm talking about Kanye every week on my podcast, um, that was a special experience for me. I, I remember laying down on my couch the morning it came out and just listening. And I think I cried like three times. <laughs> I was just so blown away by like the soundscape and how vulnerable and naked Kanye was being. And, um, that was a very special experience for me, especially with, everything leading up to it and, you know, all the chaos and the ups and downs and the stress, <laughs> the tweets, <laughs> it, you know, everything surrounding it was great. And that's kind of become the, the staple of a Kanye release now is everything surrounding the release is, you know, part of the experience of listening to it, which led to Ye. Um, it felt like when Ye came out, I felt like the only person in the world that actually liked it. <laughs> Because a lot of the reception was poor, I didn't get great reviews, even on the first day it was getting bashed a lot, and that was probably the first time I ever felt outside of the culture, of the music listening culture, at least in regards to Kanye, I guess. Because, um, you know, after talking about Kanye for three years at that point, I, I felt like I knew him so well and understood his art so well that... Everything in Ye made sense to me and it was such an easy listen and it was so affecting and, and to this day wouldn't leave to me as one of the classic Kanye songs, a song that really hit so hard then, you know, it was right after I had gotten engaged and I really felt him pouring himself out to Kim. Like I, I truly felt it. And, it was just this connection with Kanye that I, I had never had before. And then, of course, you get Ghost Town and feeling like a kid again. And knowing what that means to Kanye to say he feels like a kid. What did he say in the Zane Lowe Lo interview? He was like, I'm an eternal three-year-old. That interview was just littered with an amazing with amazing quotes. Um, so Ye was so special to me. And, and same with Kid Ghost, because Just knowing how much it meant to both Kanye and Kid Cudi, probably more Kid Cudi than anything. To me, that's more of a Kid Cudi album, Um, but also a Kanye album because it became this moment where, you know, Kanye was truly reaching out to God, and it truly felt like a turning point, like he was leaving his demons behind, or at least finding the power to battle his demons and finding the strength and stamina to keep carrying on. You know, that's why Reborn is such an important song. The album isn't about making a complete turnaround. The album is about a commitment to moving forward and that's where kanye really becomes reborn that's where kid cuddy really becomes reborn and that's why the album ends of cutting montage with kanye saying lord shine your light on me save me please it, he hasn't reached that point yet he's still asking god for guidance and that's why we get jesus is King. this is kanye fully in spiritual religious mode he He's ready to give himself over to God, and he's making an album for God. Um, so with all that, you know, I've got all these thoughts stirring in my head as I head into my first listen of Jesus is Keen. I flip it on, and um, I will say that the first listen through, as as always with every Kanye first listen through, this was different than any of my other ones. Um, I think mostly because I've been writing about Kanye so much and I'm sort of in critic mode in a way, not critic, like I'm going to judge the music, but, uh, more like art scholar mode. Like I'm ready to understand Jesus is keen, you know, I've been writing all about it and I want everything I've written to sound like it's right (laughs) and sound like it came from a knowledgeable place. And so when I listen to Jesus is keen, I'll, I'll definitely understand it. And not that I think Jesus is Keen is difficult to understand. I mean, as I listen to it more, the nuances of it open up, and I'm really excited to talk about it on the show. But I think more than anything, um, my first listen through was just kind of plagued by that scholarly attitude that I needed to be understanding each song and that each song needs to grab me and make sense immediately. And that is a giant disservice to kanye because his albums always open up with meaning and nuance and narrative you never understand all of the themes and motifs on a kanye album the first time through there's always a story there even if it's not a traditional story like on 808s there's always some sort of story there there's movement to the narrative even if it's a non-traditional narrative the song by song narrative on a kanye album it's not always easy to follow sometimes it is really easy to follow but even when it's easy to follow you could start to pick out things and pick apart things that open up and reveal themselves as you discuss it as you listen through more and to me that's why we have this podcast that's why I love Kanye because his albums are never easy and I think that was my problem the first listen through is I thought it was going to be easy I thought oh it's Kanye's religious album I know he talked about God a lot. You know, I was at the Chicago listening party. I, I know every single song is about God. The lyrics are about God. The production, you know, sounds like you're at a, uh, you know, 22nd century church <laughs> that Kanye runs. Um, it's, it, I thought I would just be able to grasp it. And I, and I think what I realize is I'm not going to grasp it on the first listen or the second or the third listen or the fourth i was in the middle of my fourth listen before i was finally like well i got to record this podcast so i jumped on so the first time through i will admit i i found it slightly underwhelming i i was wondering like is this album as coalesced as i as it should be Uh, beyond you know talking about god and talking about religion and talking about living by god's word I wasn't seeing the usual beats I see in a Kanye album where there literally is like a three act structure. Yay. I think it's because yay and Kitsy Ghost make it so easy. There's a three, one, three structure. The first three songs are the darkness. And then you have the middle song that's the turnaround. And then you have the last three songs that are the light. Um, And, you know, that's, maybe that is there in Jesus is King, but to me, it's not as obvious as it was on Yay or Kitsy Ghost, where I, I kind of did sense it right away. Like, I, I think I fully grasped Yay within a few hours. <laughs> Which isn't me bragging. If anything, this is an insult to me because I, I listen to Kanye way too much and know him way too well. Um, but for Jesus is Keen, I, I kind of listened to it. And I wasn't... I don't know. I just didn't quite grasp it. And I've been texting with Jordan and Chris all day and... <laughs> been go- working through all these thoughts and everything. And uh, I don't want to give too much away about Jordan because he'll be on the show next week to talk about it. But I think he he liked it a lot more than I did, but he had the same reservations about some of the songs I did. I, I felt like some of the songs were weirdly produced and mixed. Um, the vocals were kind of, some of the vocals are really loud, like Clips sounds really loud to me on Uses Gospel. And some of the transitions felt strange, like you know the very first song. Um, every hour going into Selah, it was so abrupt. And I was like, is that right? Like, did they did they do, did they finish this properly? <laughs> so I think I, again, was plagued by a lot of that. But the second time through, I, man, I got to say, like, people can say whatever they want about Chris and I that were always looking for meaning and narrative and looking to make Kanye's albums look good and sound good. But I got to say, on the first listen, I, I really wasn't feeling that way and I felt strange and I was kind of antsy about listening the second time. I wasn't ready to listen the second time through and think like, all right well let me figure out a way I can make this make sense. I kind of went in apprehensively and I gotta say like the second time through was a completely different experience for me. I think Salah is just as powerful and magical as it was at the Chicago Listening Party when he played that song, people were just like bouncing around and smiling and looking at each other, like "Holy shit! Like, are you hearing this?" Um, the way that song moves and blows up, you know, the, the ebbs and flow of that song and how it just like it erupts and then shrinks down and then erupts again. All the while, these weird synths, these, these weird synths are going on in the background, and it's such a. I remember when I listened to it at the Chicago city party, I was like, Oh, this is kind next runaway. It's, I guess it's not long enough to be the next runaway, <laughs> but in a lot of ways it gives me the same feeling that a runaway song does. And a lot of these songs are doing that like closed on Sunday and water and hands on, hands on. Oh my God. "Useless gospel. I mean, I, I think that's really what it is. It's the ebbs and flows of the songs. It's, how much movement and how much nuance and how much character is in each of them and how much they open up when you listen through the second time and the third time and the fourth time, which I'm in the middle of doing now. It's so strange that a single album that is so short, it's only 27 minutes long can feel so different every time I've listened to it. And I think that really just speaks to the power and the perfectionist in Kanye. I mean, maybe he's not a perfectionist because he didn't meet his deadline, and maybe he was mixing up to the last second, and maybe he wants to do more, but I guess I mean in the sense of he's so committed to making something different and new, and he's so fearless of what everyone will say about him. And I think that's what I've realized by my fourth listen now, is that this album... Is a religious album and it is an album he wrote for God, but it's not in the way anyone would have expected. And it's not something typical you would expect of somebody in his 40s who found God, you know, late in his life and, you know, wants to abandon the person they were. To me, this sounds like Kanye. This album to me is angry. This album is trying to make sense of a world that makes no sense and it frustrates him and he's channeling all that anger through god to me this album isn't any different really than jesus other than the fact that it's clean um and the central character isn't a monster he's still stuck in this oppressive system and still told by everyone how to act and still once is, is still trying to be controlled by society and is rebelling against that and finding his identity. Except this time, he's doing it through God. So to me, it doesn't sound you know like a typical spiritual religious album you'd make that you'd expect from somebody like late in their career. Um, it sounds coarse and rugged and synthy. and it sounds like somebody who's applying themselves. It sounds like somebody who's how do I want to phrase this? I guess more than anything, it sounds like somebody who's speaking to God as himself. Somebody who wants to change and wants to follow the word of God, wants to recognize all of his past mistakes and wash himself of his sins and be reborn again, but doesn't want to abandon who he is. He wants to be Kanye West. He wants to be Kanye West making a spiritual religious gospel album. He doesn't want to be controlled. He doesn't want to be told. This is how you make a religious album. He's sick of the public complaining that he makes money off his Sunday service merch. He's sick of Christians telling him how to live his life and how to be a good Christian. He talks about it throughout the entire album. He's ready to be who he is and commit himself, who he truly is, to God. And while that means making sacrifices and changing things about yourself, it doesn't mean changing yourself. He's still Kanye West. He still wants to make the world a better place. He still wants to inspire you to do better. He's just talking about that through God now. And I think it's not demeaning, Or it's not like he's telling you, like, you have to believe in God or you're lost. He's saying, like, I've learned to live my life better through God. And I want to talk about it and hope that it inspires you to live your life properly. And this speaks to me so much. You know, I personally am not a Christian. Uh, I used to go to church all the time. I went to Sunday school. Confirmation three years of confirmation for some reason my church had three-year process for it. I don't know um, I would pray every night. I remember crying about God and <clears throat> At some point I, I lost that, you know I, I, At one point I thought I had this like connection with God I, I thought I not that he spoke to me, but like, you know, you could feel him in your body Um, And after some time that feeling passed and I found that I got that feeling through other things. I got that feeling through art and my family and my friends and engaging in things that made me feel good and made me think I was living my life well. Um, so I think it wasn't that I was resentful of God. I, I think it was a very much like a, a mutual breakup, if you want to look at it that way. I was like, I don't get anything out of this relationship anymore. Like, I simply don't believe in you. And I don't need you to be the good person I want to be. I feel like that's really what I've taken away from this album. Is that Kanye does need God to get to that place that I got to with my life. That anyone gets to in their life. I still read the Bible. I'm still kind of obsessed with the Bible, actually. And that might be largely because of Kanye. (laughs) Because, you know, we wrote the Jesus book, and every time we write about Kanye, we're writing about, you know, Psalm 83 and connecting it to I am a God and, you know, how everyone is sort of a mortal God if you're living by God's word. Those parts of the Bible fascinate me. And what I've come to realize about the Bible, in my opinion, anyway, and this is just how I think of it, I think is a sort of art, Scholar, academic, art scholar, it sounds so pretentious, but to me, God is like the ultimate metaphor. You know, God isn't some physical being, some guy in the clouds, somebody I'll get to meet when I die. To me, God is the vessel through which you can do better. God represents whatever it is you need to pick yourself up, to overcome your vices and to be a contributor to the world and that's what i'm getting from this album kanye more than ever more than ever seems so fearless and committed to that part of himself on this album it really feels like old kanye in that way you know the kid who couldn't be taken down the kid who couldn't be told no that kept showing up at jay's studio (laughs) that made his career happen I mean, here he is doing it. It's, it's incredible. So now when I listen to Jesus is Keen, I'm, I'm so taken by it. And I'm just dancing around my apartment. And I'm banging my head to every song. I'm listening to follow God like, holy shit, Kanye's rapping again. <laughs> I'm listening to use this gospel. And I'm hearing Malice and Pusha T come together. And it's like old Kanye meeting new Kanye. You know, There's something so poetic about it all. That this album feels so coalesced now and so complete and so special that even though I didn't like it on the first listen through, now I feel like this listening experience was more special to me than any of the other ones. More special than laying on my couch and crying to wolves. Uh, It's, I'm just so taken by it. I don't even really know how to put it to words anymore. Um, So I guess I'll stop putting into words that's my first reaction is that connie did it again i think it's a classic and i can't wait to talk about it in the show with chris the weirdest part will be if chris doesn't like the album that'll make this dramatic moment really hit weirdly anyway we'll see you guys next week stay wavy